This week on the Garden Time Podcast, we kick off our first podcast by introducing you to our hosts. After 17 years as a weekly TV program, we're now a podcast. Then we talk about national and regional plant lists that can help you choose the right plants for your garden. All coming up next on the Garden Time Podcast. Garden Time is brought to you by Capital Subaru in Salem, Oregon. Start your new Subaru story at Capital Subaru. We are like nothing else. From the moment you step through these doors, you see it, you feel it. We do things differently here. Our people, our culture, our customer experience. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll upgrade the way you shop for Subarus. When you're just browsing, need great service, or starting your next adventure, we're always here for you. It's your story at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway. Welcome to the Garden Time Podcast. We're based in the Pacific Northwest of the United States in a Zone 7 region. This deals with plants that can survive at approximately zero degrees Fahrenheit or warmer. I'm producer Jeff Gustin with your hosts, Judy Alaruzzo and Ryan Seeley. Welcome to the Garden Time Podcast. Yes, we are a podcast now. We're not a TV show, though for people that do like to see what we look like, um, we will be carrying this on our YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. So um, I'd like to introduce Ryan and Judy. You know them from the show. Uh, so thoughts, guys? What do you think? Is it, we've, we've been yeah. talking about this. Yeah. We, we have been talking time. about this. It's kind, yeah. of, kind of an exciting new endeavor as we you know, move from the, you know, the TV age of things to, mm -hmm. to podcasts, which... You know, they're, you know, podcasts can be great because there's, you know, that time where you're just sitting on the treadmill and you're running and you want to listen to something, but don't necessarily can sit in front of a TV or a computer screen. So yeah. it's kind of a way, great way to get some information out. Yeah, and it we've is, been visual yeah. for so long. Right. So, yeah. so it could be audio because some people are just want to listen in the car or they want to, they're walking their dog. So it's like they're not going to sit in front of a screen or, uh, you know, a laptop or even a TV screen. So I think this is great. We can reach so many different people and everywhere. It's not just locally in the Northwest. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. But, but I think you mentioned from the Northwest. So let's fill people in. So Judy first. Um, for people that don't know who you are or who we are, um, what is your background in plants and gardening and oh, okay. in life? In life. <laughs> so I'm just 25 years here in the Portland area, Oregon. And so I'm originally from Chicago. And I actually have a two-year degree in horticulture and have worked for 25 years at um, Al's Garden and Home, which is a, a garden center. Um, in the area, it's an independent garden center. And so I buy in the perennials and in um, the house plants. And then for 17 years, I was on garden time. And so that was a great experience too. So a big background in plants and garden, have a garden at my house too. Are you looking forward to doing this? Yeah, I just think to... it's it's kind of even fun to kind of reach people again, and it I think it's going to keep us on our toes, yeah. you know, talking about plants, and so sometimes we don't talk to each other on the show. No, we talk no, to other people. Right, we're usually we're usually separated out, yeah. and you know, you do your interviews, I do my mm -hmm. interviews, and then we're always limited by the amount of time. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're doing these <laughs> segments, and we're you know trying to cram a lot of information into four minutes, right? Which goes by really quick. Very so quick. it's exciting to actually be able to take a topic and be able to expand on it a little bit and get a little bit more in depth and get some information, more information out. Yeah, that is fun. And you know, I think we both garden, so we have a lot of experience between the two of us, but you know, we'll be talking about plants maybe we don't know as much, and that'd be fun too. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, so uh, your background. Yeah, so my background, I've been in the uh, nursery industry for over 25 years. 
Um, born and raised Oregonian. I'm a sixth generation Oregonian, so I come from a long line of farmers um, that were vegetable farmers throughout the valley. And my background, I started a retail garden center right out of college. So I did that for almost 14 years and had two retail stores in the Portland metro area. And then after that, kind of transitioned into the wholesale grower side of things. So I was in, in sales and worked with, you know, production and distribution and sales and, you know, determining what plants we should, we should have at the nursery and sell to the independent garden centers throughout the Northwest. And we would ship plants Northwest and throughout the United States. So it was fun to be on the grower side. And then I just recently transitioned to a new position uh, with a company called Earthbound Brands. And we are a branding and licensing company. And I'm in charge of taking on and developing a line of plants for better homes and gardens. So it would be distributed nationwide. So that's a kind of an exciting new endeavor to be able to go now and travel the United States and looking at growers and breeders and finding all of these great new plants that are in the pipeline and what's coming down the pipe for, you know, what's going to be shown in the garden centers for in the coming years. That's going to so be very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. And we've been sworn to secrecy. We can't, <laughs> yeah. we can't if he comes across a plant that's probably going to be introduced in 2024, we yeah. can't say anything. Because we are working on 2024. Yeah. So. <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah. so what do you want to accomplish with the podcast? Oh, I think just giving out information. I think that I look at different websites and I've been listening to podcasts. It, it wasn't my go-to kind of resource, but it's like, I think there's so much information out there, but you don't know the credibility of it. You don't know where it's coming from. And I think that we can really help with that. I think that we have credible resources. We have credible information ourselves um, that we can really impart and give out to, the, to gardeners all over. Yeah, and you know, we both work with, you know, in the industry with a bunch of professionals, like mm -hmm. you said, you know, with these, these breeders and these growers. And there's a lot of information out there that the homeowner doesn't see or know is out there, what goes on and how a plant gets to come to market. Right. And what, what has happened behind the scenes over the years to make that plant what it is. You know, you used to just kind of go into the garden center picking up a plant because it looks pretty. But, you know, being in these roles that we are and you as a buyer and me and, you know, getting into the other side of, you know, locally and regionally sourcing, even for a national scale, to see what's out there is pretty spectacular. So I think we have a lot of skills that we mm -hmm. can bring and a lot of knowledge that's not necessarily available to the general public. Right. Yeah. So speaking of plants, our topic today is... Plants of the year and, and plants that have been picked by large organizations. And we're going to start with the National Garden Bureau. And they come out every year with their year of plants. And uh, so some of those, you know, are like the indoor plant of the year or um, Ryan's got a, a list. He's got so. the list here. Yeah. So, you know, the, so the National Garden Bureau, so the, every year they'll select. Um, so they do one annual. They'll do a perennial, uh, a bulb crop an edible and a shrub of the year, and they just recently added, like Jeff was saying, a houseplant house of the year. Mm -hmm. So you know, their criteria for these is they want to pick something that, that's popular, so that's going to easily, readily found and available and people can find, uh, something that's easy to grow, and that's not very challenging because, you know, we all know there's various oh, skill levels. Sure, sure. Um, something, and it's widely adaptable, so lot, lots of uses, um, genetically diverse, and then very versatile. 
So that's kind of their basic criteria of what they're looking for when they're picking for these different categories. And that's so much fun. You know, it's like sometimes you go to the garden center and it's like, oh my gosh, what do I choose? So if you kind of follow this, you can kind of see this has been researched and this has been looked at. People have discussed it. And it's like, that's what they've come up with for this year. So I think that's kind of nice. It kind of helps, especially somebody new. It's like somebody's holding their hand and saying, this is a really good one. You should choose it. Yeah, because there, there are a lot of, brings up a good point. There's a lot, so many new gardeners that are coming mm -hmm. into the market. I think last year alone, 18 million right. new gardeners. Yeah. And so when these gardeners are coming to the garden centers and looking for plants, you know, as nursery professionals ourselves, mm -hmm. we want them to be successful. Definitely. You know, yeah. we want them to pick, pick the plants that they can grow, that they're going to have success with and they're gonna come back and keep adding because they're now hooked on gardening and they're gonna to continue to add their yeah. collection. Oh, so definitely. let's look at the plants. So okay. uh, Ryan, read us the list. Of yeah, so the first one, let me just start with the houseplant one, is the year of the peperomia. And so I think yeah, we have some great great examples that Judy brought um, with us here. Ben, uh, for those that are listening, um, these are uh, probably about six inch uh, to 12 inch plants, indoor plants, and all various, all in the same family. All in the same family, right? But all very different in how they look. So, um, tell us about the, the peperomia, and um, is this a new plant to the market, or has this been around for? Would people be familiar with this if they went into their garden center? Well, for us old people, in the '80s, house plants were like really big, and so a lot of the old-fashioned ones, just the variegated ones or the green-leafed ones, it's the obtusifolia, and these have been around forever. I mean, forever. But because breeders love to be challenged, they've come up with so many new different ones. And so not, not just these ones that are kind of a waxy leaf, bright light, no, no full sun. They don't take that really hot sun. You let them dry out a little bit. Um, but they've come up with these ones that are a little rippled. So they're like spiky, spiky. and rippled leaves. Yeah, and, um, and different colors, like two-tone. Yeah. They have um, burgundy undersides. They have silver to them. And then they have these very unusual, very spiky flowers that if you look at the flower spike under a microscope, they are going to have like hundreds and hundreds of little tiny, tiny, tiny flowers on there. So they're very interesting and easy care. I mean, I think that we want easy care house plants. I mean, sometimes you want challenging ones, but these are really nice. I think at any time at Owls, I probably have 10 different varieties on the floor. Right. So there's, there's got to be one for you um, if you just go hunt for it. Yeah, because like you said, you know, on these first ones here, it's a very thick, mm -hmm. dense, almost succulent kind of, kind of leaf. Very much. That's my um, observation. And it's the glossy green, and it's just a very stout, durable plant that's not going to shatter or just drop if you look look wrong at it. Right. You know, I actually, I have one at my house, and it's, you know, and it's, like you said, very versatile. I have it in kind of a dark area, but it can definitely take some sun. Even maybe for your desk, if somebody needs um, a plant for their office, I think this would be a good one too. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, we'll have pictures of these um, on our website and so, and on the video podcast so people can watch it and see there. But it's interesting because they are so different. Is it creating a problem for the home gardener when you pick Peperomia, which is a huge family of plants, and there's more plants being you know, hybridized all the time. Is it too much? Are, are we too general when we pick plants in a large group like that? Which, you know, which you know, does bring up a good point. Because, right. you know, you bring, somebody's coming in, you're looking, I want a peperomia. Right. And when there's such a, a wide range, I mean, you get peperonias that are low trailing mm -hmm. hanging basket plants, oh, or right. you get the upright ones like, like here, you know, 
it does leave a lot of variations for what you can do. But it's also, you know, as a, a whole genus, you know, and having some selection and variety does give you choices. Very much. Yeah, so you don't have to be just, if that's that one plant and you don't like that one plant, well, there's one <laughs> there's next one. to it. That's, just, that's the thing that could do, fill the same, same void, but just having a totally different look. Right. So by having such a wide variety does give you the options for something that would be tailored and fit into either your coloring or decorating scheme or light conditions. Right, right. And so I, if with these though, Judy, um, just to ask, do they all have the same growing conditions? I think pretty much across the board. Okay, so then for the home gardener, it would be easy to... Right, to plug it in, sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I think, too, it creates um, a opportunity to collect. I've, got, I've talked to so many people that it's like, oh, yeah, I collect peperomias. And it's like, really? It's like, yeah, do you have this one? It's like, well, I'll try to get that one. So it's kind of fun that they, you know, they want to get one of everyone. It's like trading cards or something when we were little had baseball cards. So, yeah, I have every peperomia that's out there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right, Ryan, let's, uh, what's, uh, what's next? the next on the So list? The, the next year of is the gladiola. So the gladiola is a bulb, and gladiola has definitely been around forever. forever I mean, you know, my, yeah. my grandmother had had gladiolas in her in her garden. Yeah. But you know, that's it's another one of those plants that's you know been around a long time. But there's always improvements um, being made to plants all the time. There's you know genetic improvements, mm -hmm. um, coloring improvements. You know, a lot of times they'll they'll breed these plants to have. Um, you know, better genetics as far as disease resistance mm -hmm. or not get as tall and floppy where they'll stand up better on their own. Right. Or color options that are not as washed out, maybe a little bit more vivid or some bicolor colors. So there's always these improvements that are going on. So gladiolas is another one of those that has been around a long time, but there's new and improved. Oh, of course. There's always something new. And so look at all these pretty colors. And these are, we call them um, more summer bulbs. So these would be available at your garden center um, this time of year. Even probably come in a little bit earlier, like April. And you want to get them in the ground once this grounds warm up. And these are, um, I think they're called corms. Um, but they're like a little bulb. And you plant these, and you plant them deep. And then they come up once it's warm, probably midsummer. And they are just really nice. They're great cut flower. You can leave them outside. But um, I, I've always loved gladiolas. I think they're kind of a cool plant. They're just really tall and straight. So maybe you want to plant something in front of it and you make like a little kind of vignette in your garden. Yeah, because there's definitely one of those. You, they are a background mm -hmm. planting. So they're going to be the tall focal point in your, in your border that's going to get up, you know, kind of that, you know, two, three plus feet. Um, get stocked, but then you know, you're talking about the color choices. Mm -hmm. So you know, lots of really vibrant colors. So there's reds, pinks, you know, hot pinks and purples, or yellow colors. So there's a rainbow of colors. Um, you know, we just have a couple here. You know, like this one here is a hot, you know, really yeah. deep purple with a white throat. Yeah. And so it gives you you know a lot of range of colors. And then having that height is always nice. And like you're saying, they are a nice cut flower. Yeah. And for people that aren't aren't able to see this. Gladiolas are a tall, uh, they have a tall flower stalk uh, with multiple blooms along it. So, and they have, and it's not tiny blooms. This is not yeah, like looking big. at a salvia. Mm -hmm. These are large, um, you know, blooms that are all along the stalk and you get multiple stalks, um, you know, if you plant the bulbs. Yeah, and then you like, can mix and match. And yeah, they're like half dollar size blooms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like a, a, a very trumpet-like yeah. flower. And they'll mm -hmm. start out at the bottom blooming and as as the flower stock grows and the ones at the bottom are starting to bloom out they will start blooming up the stem and continue to work all the way up the stem uh, as they grow they are really cool and i was reading about it just to kind of get some more background 
So you get all these packages, you don't have to plant them all at once. If you kind of wait and kind of, once you get the first initial ones in, and then every two weeks put some fresh ones in, you'll stagger those blooms. So you'll get continuous bloom for more weeks. Oh, that's so that's kind of fun instead of just getting that flush. Because they only one one corn will only bloom one one flower stock. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of neat to kind of keep going with it. And they right. they'll see it eventually. I mean, well, not see, but they they create more right, bulblets, right. Mm -hmm. and then so you'll pretty soon see like more and more of them right, if, right. if you take good care of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of our bulbs, you know, they do great if you know having them amongst other perennials mm -hmm. and other items in the in the bed. So we're even in a container where you could layer a bulb like a gladiola at the bottom and then plant on top of them, those will come up through those other plants. So when they're all done and blooming, you still have you know, either a shrub or a plant right. underneath it. Yeah, and that's fun to do too. Okay, what else do we have? What else do we have? So the next is the year of the shrub, which is the lilac or lilac. Which is, on. we <laughs> have one of the, uh, we're in the you know, Pacific Northwest. We have the Holda Clager lilac garden up here in, in Woodland, Washington. And so we are very familiar with lilacs in this area. So. Um, it's a beautiful plant. It's a beautiful plant and fragrant, which mm -hmm. um, meets a couple of needs for a lot of gardeners. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, with breeders, they're not just like your grandma's lilacs that were right. so big. You know, you'd have to have like their own space in the back of the garden or in the front of the house. Right. You know, there's tinier ones. You know, they're just smaller ones that will take a container. Or if you do need a big, you know, substantial focal point, that they'll do that. Yeah, because as y'all like in my yard, I don't have or want to dedicate, you know, my yard is smaller, mm -hmm. it's jammed full, but I don't want to dedicate, you know, a very large area to one shrub. So with some of these new varieties, like we're looking at, at here, this is a, you know, lilac, it's called bloomerang. Mm -hmm. um, and this is more of a compact growing, growing shrub. And so the bloomerangs, I forget. And it's a repeating. And so bloomerang means, you know, like the boomerang that comes back. Right, right. right. It just keeps, this keeps is, coming. It's going to keep bloom. coming. Repeat bloom, which is new Very in new. the, in the mm -hmm. last five, six, seven years, it, are these reblooming lilacs. Right. right. You know, the blooms aren't quite as large as, you know, the traditional mm -hmm. traditional ones. You'll still get the fragrance and the, and the color and the, and the shape, but they're just a little bit smaller than the, than the traditional ones. And then the coloring-wise, and like on these on dwarf ones, you know, this is kind of a lilac pinks and the dark purples are kind of where they are now on these compact shrubs versus the much larger ones where you'll have, you know, every shade of pink and purple right. and white and everything in between. In between, right. Um, but it is a nice nice way to have, have lilac that, you know, can handle, you know, very cold conditions oh, also. Yeah. You know, it's a very versatile shrub mm -hmm. for much of the United States. Yeah, that, and that's nice too because I think everybody just enjoys these so much, and I, you know it's an old favorite. Um, and I think that the breeders listen to people. It's like, well, I want to have lilacs in July, August, and it's like, well, no, they bloom early, and it's like, so now they've listened to that and they figured out how to how to make them bloom again. So that's kind of a fun thing. It is, yeah, you know, because that repeat bloomer, mm -hmm. and you know, something that's durable and it's hardy. You know, I think it's, this is a zone three. Yeah, so plant, what is that, so minus 40 minus degrees yes. Yes. Fahrenheit. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cold. And then we wanted to just talk about a tip. So you see the dead, um, the old flower stems here. So if you have a, um, either a bloomerang or an old lilac in your garden, you want to take those off now. And if you do want to trim them, you want to trim them now because if you wait until the end of the summer um, on the traditional one, you're going to lose all those bloom sets for next year. So you, you want to go out and do any kind of pruning um, on the old ones and on the new ones just to kind of clean them up um, this time of year. 
That's a that's a great tip. Excellent. And uh, next, moving on is uh, the year of the flocks. So flocks is another one of those plants that's been around a long time, but you know a lot of us are used to either the upright kind of garden flocks mm-hmm. um, that will get kind of a tall and perennially, or we've been used to the ground cover flocks uh, that's been in rockeries, and then there's also now a cross between the uprights <laughs> and the creeping. It almost looks like a, a trailing plant that you would see in a hanging basket. Yeah, yeah so, it does. Um, uh, a bacopa or something. Yeah, it's kind of, or kind of like a mm-hmm. you know a candy tuff, but a little yeah. bit bigger right, or right. something like that. Yeah, so. and the creeping ones are kind of done this time mm-hmm. of year. At least for us in the Northwest, they bloom early and they look kind of rough. And we brought those just because they do need some maintenance this time of year. You want to trim off anything that looks bad, um, and like you want to just shear them back, and you'll get the nice foliage for the rest of the season. And you might get a couple blooms. I mean, look at that. Will it's they bloom? Um, sometimes it's not guaranteed. I mean, you're not going to see anybody say, "Oh, of course." Return it if not. <laughs> Have talked yeah. to the lilac guys. <laughs> yeah, right, right. They need some bloomerangs <laughs> here too. <laughs> but yeah, you know the cre- the creeping flocks, which has that kind of very fine, mm-hmm. you know, almost needle like foliage, kind of almost like an asparagus fern kind of foliage. It does look like asparagus. Um, you know, those have been you know great for the rockeries. So they're you know tucking in, cover cover your ground, only going to get up a few inches tall. And then have the you know hot pink, hot purples, kind so of some shades, and white yeah. white color flower to it that will just be the sea of color. And then when it's done, you're going to have kind of the nice matte, mm-hmm. you know, versus you know the the upright ones, which are you know these the paniculata varieties. And so the phlox paniculatas are getting taller, mm-hmm. so they're going to be kind of that 18 to 24 inch um, plant with a much larger flower head. So maybe kind of the size of you know, a can or a grapefruit. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And good for pollinators. And, oh yeah, and this butterflies is like love butterf- them. This, it creates yeah. that landing pad right. for the butterfly to land on. So yeah. yeah, many of them are fragrant, which is great. And those breeders have, you know, these are like sometimes a mildew magnet, and that yes. goes across the whole United States for these plants. It's like the humidity, or it's wet, or whatever. So choose one that says mildew resistant. I mean, it usually says it on the tag. I try to say that on my tags because right. it's like I want to choose that one over another one. Um, sometimes you will get mildew, but not as bad. It's not going to kill the whole plant. But great plants, they bloom midsummer till fall. Just keep deadheading them. And deadheading means just take off those old flowers. Mm-hmm. Just give it a couple weeks and it'll push some more and you'll get more of those blooms um, in your garden. So that's a really great one to have for midsummer to end of summer. Yeah. How do they do as a cut flower? I think they'd be pretty good. Um, I think that you want to, uh, for, especially for cut flowers, you want to um, pick those in the, sp- in the early of the morning. So then you get them um, at their best Thanks. until they open up and don't let them get too far blown open before you pick them. Gotcha. Can you cut them back too far for that rebloom? I mean, do you take them, um, we've seen, Ooh. you know, people cut down their perennials to like three or four inches. And if these are going to be a couple feet or foot and a half tall, will you sacrifice that, that bloom? Oh, I don't, it might take longer to it'll, rebloom, It'll probably I think. take longer to yeah. try to rejuvenate it's itself. Yeah. So it's going to depend on, you know, how long your season right. lasts, if right. you have enough weeks to regenerate it to get it to bloom, bloom right. again before it goes dormant for the fall. Yeah. Um, next. And then next we have the year of the verbena. Okay. And so verbena is another kind of a wide category of there's perennial verbena mm-hmm. and there's annual verbenas. 
Um, so another one of those that generates across you know, multi-boards. But you know, the perennial verbena is um, not quite as big of a category. You know, there, you have right. some, but you know, they'll have some that will be kind of the bonaerancy types. They right. get up tall. Really that, tall, yeah. That will get you know, four or five feet tall, but it can recede. Yes, that you have to be careful on that one. And then you have kind of the some of the um, other verbenas that are more kind of ground cover. Right, types. or in a basket or trailing over a container. Those right. are kind of nice. And so the verbenas have kind of a, a more of a flat cluster. Mm -hmm flower on like the ground cover ones, the basket will be on a mat of, you know, tight kind of foliage and will trail over with the flower clusters and various rainbows of colors. I mean, I just so toured some trial colors. gardens last week and there's probably a hundred different colors plus of that I was looking at. And it was, you know, they're great for, like you said, for baskets mm -hmm. in, in the ground. Um, you know, kind of one downturn of a lot of those is they kind of go through cycles of blooming. So even the annual ones as they come into bloom, there'll be a full mat of color, and then those blooms kind of stop, and then it takes it a few weeks before the next round of blooms comes in. So you have a little bit of variation between bloom times. So if you're doing the annual ones, you know, sometimes you can get some uh, not, not continual blooming. Right, so right. If, you, if you have a plant in the verbena and it's not blooming at home, and it was, give it a little time, snip those old flowers off, and the new ones will be right back behind it. Well, you know what? I loved having my verbena in hanging baskets with other things. So yeah. then it was still continuous color, but you still then had that other pop when the verbenas came back into yes. bloom. So that's kind of a trick of the trade. Yeah, and I think you know there is you know most of them are the ground cover ones are annual ones, but I think like homestead purple. Yeah, that's is, a nice is another one, mm -hmm. and there's another another one there's that's red, coming out. That's homestead gonna, red, homestead pink. pink. Yeah, the, the homestead varieties mm -hmm. are a little bit hardier and more durable. Yeah, and for people that are listening. The difference between annual and perennial mm. is just the temperature that they can withstand most of the time, right? So right. the conditions that they're under. So something that's a perennial and blooms in Hawaii all the time is an annual for us. Correct. Right, yeah. right. If you have some southern right. Southern California yeah. that doesn't get as cold, you know, like some of these plants can survive the winters. Yeah. Whereas you get into the northern hemisphere. You, know, you yeah. just got to replant them. So for those people year. that are down south that are <laughs> <Right>. lucky, <the laughs> yeah. annual verbena for us could be a perennial, perennial for, right, right. for them. Um, and so we have one more, right? One so more we do is the year of the salad greens. So this I found interesting because it's like, okay, you've picked something that's so salad greens could be... Oh, it, so many different things. so many different things. And so how do you um, approach this as a, a to a home gardener that's coming in and says, you know... I want the salad greens of the year or whatever it is. <laughs> so it's a really broad category. And so salad greens, you kind of think, well, what is that? So you know, like lettuces. Yeah. Everybody knows lettuce, but you know how many different lettuces there are? Yeah. You know, and there's kind of like the head lettuce, the iceberg lettuce, there's romaine lettuce, there's leaf lettuce, and then there's all different colors of lettuce. I mean, how fun, there's curly lettuce. You know, there's the dark burgundy leaf lettuce, right. which makes salads more attractive that we eat them more because they're so good for us. And they, and they all have, you know, slightly different flavors. They do, you know, yes. Like a butter crunch lettuce right. is definitely have, have a sweeter, more buttery flavor right, to right. it versus some of the romaines. Or, so they all have differences. So it, the coloring is nice. It is nice. Because it does make, make for an attractive in the, in the flower bed. Yes. Or, you know, lettuce is one of those that does great in a container. Yeah, definitely. And I brought this, I thought this was so cute because so many people do not have a garden bed. It's just like, you know, they have a, maybe a porch or a balcony or a lanai. And so this is like a, just a, a yeah, colander. You've, you've, taken, a, a you've taken a colander. Isn't yeah. that cute? It's a collection of 
great. Yeah, and so yes, you know, definitely. taking a, a metal colander, filled it with soil, yeah. and then planted all of your lettuce in there. So it's it has so a garden fun. look mm -hmm. with full of lettuce, and then it's able to be you know moved around in a tabletop or on a patio and still be able to harvest. And that's, you know, the thing with lettuce is you can get multiple harvests out of that it. That is so cool because you think it's not one and done. It's really cut and come again. And so we were talking earlier about, I asked Ryan, it's like, well, how do you cut yours? And he goes, well, sometimes I take the whole head, but then sometimes I just pick the leaves. And then you can kind of go back to it tomorrow again and pick some more. So yeah, so depending really on great. kind of how much you're needing and when you're needing right, it right. again, you could kind of go almost just above the ground, snip the whole, the whole bunch off, harvest it all. And it will grow back from that sometimes. It, yeah. um, sometimes it doesn't. But I tend to go and take the older leaves off the outside and harvest those. And as it keeps re always regenerating the new, the new leaves on the inside, then you can continue taking those off. You know, eventually by the end of it, I have kind of a big stalk. Right, <laughs> it right. looks like a lettuce tree, but you know. It's, <laughs> but you know, we were at Jan McNeilan, so a dear friend of ours. We were at her place the other day, and so she had a mixed group of greens. And so one of them, she said, taste that. And we tasted it. It was so hot. It tasted like wasabi. And yes. so that's another thing about salad greens. There's so many different kinds. So it's like there's the, um, even spinach is considered one, arugula, rocket. Um, she had one. It must have been in the mustard family because it was so hot, but it was so tasty. And yeah, if you mix like it. like horseradish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah. you mix it with other things, it just gives a different dimension to your salad. So it's kind of fun. Excellent. Excellent. So um, for people that are listening that want to learn more about um, the plants of the year for 2022, the National Garden Bureau has their website and it's ngb.org backslash plant or year dash of dash plants dash 2022. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about a more localized list of plants um, recommended for the Northwest Gardeners for where we live. And we'll be right back after a message from Capital Super. Start your new Subaru story at Capital Subaru. We are like nothing else. From the moment you step through these doors, you see it, you feel it. We do things differently here. Our people, our culture, our customer experience. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll upgrade the way you shop for Subarus. When you're just browsing, need great service, or starting your next adventure, we're always here for you. It's your story at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway. Join Garden Time as we hit the road again. In September of 2022, we'll travel to Holland and Belgium. We'll visit the world famous Allsmere Flower Auction, Flora World, the University Gardens of Ghent, and the Japanese Gardens of The Hague. We'll also visit the once-a-decade Floriot Expo, the World's Fair of Gardening. Enjoy the sights, sounds, and tastes of Ghent, The Hague, and Amsterdam on this wonderful tour. Go to Garden Time Tours for more information, and we'll see you in Europe. We're back uh, with the Garden Time Podcast. I'm producer Jeff, and we're with Ryan Seeley and Judy Alaruzzo. And so we just got through talking about the National Garden Bureau, and they come up with their plants of the year. And there's very large groupings of it. There's a local, more localized um, group called the Great Plant Picks, which uh, comes out of Seattle area. Um, who puts that together, Ryan? Yeah, so the Great Great Plant Picks is uh, put. It's coming in. It's an educational program that was. Um, started back in 2001 out of the Elizabeth S. Miller Botanic Garden. 
was a way for them to you know, find the plants that were doing well in the Pacific Northwest and be able to promote those and find these picks that you know, the home gardener could go, go find and give them some ideas for um, you know, what they should be looking for, for great plants for their gardens. And this is a, a local growers, local nursery owners, from around the Northwest that get together and propose these plants, correct? Yeah. And, then they and so argue over them. They, they, yeah, they do. I'm not, I'm not sure who the, you know, the powers that be, but you know, there are some definite guidelines oh, for, right. for these plants of what, you know, for us here in the Northwest, it needs to be hardy to a USDA zone seven or eight. Um, it needs to be a long lived plant also. So not a short lived perennial or a biennial or anything like that. They want something that's going to have longevity in the garden. Um, something that's, you know, vigorous and easy to grow by the by the home gardener so okay. they don't want anything that's going to be too finicky that takes the expert to do it they want they want plants that are going to be be successful you know and that's the same with like you know the national garden bureau they right. want they want you to be successful mm -hmm. with these plants and it's broadening your range of what you can what you can pick and they also want things that are you know more disease resistant okay. um and and doesn't have the pest pest problems because you know we've talked about plants that can have diseases and pests and that's you know nice to have these criterias that are for for our area, and because it is very regionalized as to what diseases and pests are going to attack a plant. Because we had talked about that before we started this segment about the National Garden Bureau being national list, this being a localized list. Um, some of the plants on the National Garden Bureau may have like mildew problems in different parts of the country, but not everywhere. Right. right. But they still. Right. This list is pretty much Northwest plants, and they're going to do well here. So, what are the categories that? Um... Yeah. So you know they've they've put together a lot of different um, categories and lists, and kind of every year they'll every put, year, every year mm -hmm. they'll kind of add add to it. So just a couple you know that they've done recently, they've done one all about foliage. Right. And so, which is kind of fun because, you know, a lot of us are, you know, we always think of blooms in our garden and, you know, what's, what's blooming and what colors can we have? But there's a whole array of plants out there that are just for foliage that don't necessarily have a flower. Right. And there's a lot that you can do with those. And so, you know, the, you know, they put together a list that of, you know, and kind of categorize them by, by different colors, you know, either oh. foliage by you know, bark color or foliage by leaf color. How fun. Or, or texture. So there's a kind of a wide, wide array of what you can, what you can do. And you know, I think that, that this is really cool because if you look at a garden, um, the flowers are, yes, they're the star, but that might be a week or two. And then right. what goes on in your garden after that? You know, unless you're really super, super into like staging everything and making sure you have a timeline. So you have to have those supporting characters in the garden. Yes. So this was really a helpful year when they did that. And, they, and they've gone in, as far as breaking it down by, you know, foliage that's a brazen and bold mm -hmm. foliage. So they, the really large leaves that make a really big statement or a very stiff leaf or the texture of the leaf is just very bold. And, and then on the opposite side of things, you know, the elegant and delicate. To the ferns. The, fer the ferns right. or the wispy grasses. Mm -hmm. you know, so that, and then everything kind of in between that you can do, do with the color. So, you know, it's really broken down by, by taking these plants that are, you know, a lot of them we've, we've seen, but maybe new varieties or things we're just unfamiliar with. Oh, right, right. And I, th and I think that the mission every year, they've really, they really hit it because they get that subject, you know, that one, that the topic for the year, and they really hit it in every category. 
And these people, I, I would love to be at these meetings just to be a fly on the wall, to hear just the, the kind of debate about, oh yeah, we need this one, or no, I don't want that one. Because it's like, this is like the top of the line of the people that are at these meetings. This is the cream of the crop of the brain power yeah. up here. So um, it's just really fun to hear what, what they want to talk about and what they want to promote. So I know that they, they talk about plants for you know, small spaces and they, they categorize different things like you were saying, you know, big and bold and, and soft and elegant. Um, does that help uh, in the retail setting? So when somebody comes in and I mean, they promote these plants, are you guys hearing about this in the retail sector or is this people come in with the, the National Garden Bureau or the great plant picks do, with the posters? Do you, are you surprised? Hmm. I'm not on the sales floor that much anymore, but it's like, I think that they get their word out. And I think that, you know, there's, I think it's part of my job to make sure that I look at this, that I have these here at my stores. And so that um, they're offered to the people that here's a, you know, yes, you want to put in that blooming plant, that blooming salvia, but then you also want to put in something else, this beautiful grass to kind of, you know, play off of it. Yeah, because a lot of people have, you know, themes to their, to mm -hmm. their gardens that have di different styles. You know, sometimes they don't want a wispy kind of look. Mm -hmm. They like that really bold, sure. you know, to, to go with the features or the hardscapes that they have in their patio. You mm -hmm. know, if it's, you know, straight, straight lines and very geometric, they might want a bolder pattern mm -hmm. versus something that might be more of a, you know, whimsical, more kind of cottage garden where they want more of that kind of look mm -hmm. or anything in between. So that's what's nice about these is being able to break those down by the different colors, different textures, and different uses. Right. Oh, definitely. Because you know, because they'll they'll take it down anywhere from you'll have a large tree in there with bold foliage, down to the small little dainty fern mm -hmm. with the with the delicate foliage. So there is something for for anyone, and that's just in that one category. Right. Right. And I love their uh, their website is very good because oh, they have a, a, a plant finder function on there. Um, it's greatplantpicks.org. And um, you can get posters there. They ask that you pay for postage, but they will send you information because they are primarily educating the, the gardening public, So, which is, I find, nice. So when these plants come out, do you sometimes shake your head and go, what were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, because you know, oh, yeah. like, we've done it in the car. We've left you know, certain things. It's like, why are they still growing that? It's, right. it's a terrible plant for this area. Do you see that when these lists come out? Does it go through your mind? Well, you know, many years ago, um, a plant came out. The plant of the year was a ornamental grass. And it was like, and I wasn't into grasses then. I am like, yeah, at the time, I was like, where's the bloom? I can't promote this grass. It's like, it's boring. It's like, it's just not going to appeal to anyone. But, you know, grasses have their place. And it's a great grass. I see this grass. It's called Carl Forrester Feather Reed Grass, Calamagrostis. It's in every commercial landscape because it does so well. It's easy to grow. It looks nice for 10 months of the year, nine That's months of the year, too, and it's it? huge. Yeah. It just makes that statement. Yeah. So it is a good grass. But I was just like, it wasn't on my, on my uh, radar that year. But it's, it's proven it that every year people come ask for it. Yeah. Well, we jokingly, and this goes back, and I, I'll spill beans of what happens in the car. We talk about mums in the fall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and gardeners love them. They're a sign of fall. There's, they're colorful. You put them on your step. But they snap easy, yeah, and, you, and they break easy. They're brittle, and and it's and if you don't stay on top of them, they can look kind of uh, messy and ugly mm -hmm. if on, on top of that. So we always talk about you know, garden mums, 
And these aren't the big show chrysanthemums. These are the little balls of, of, of blooms. Um, and it's, I see those plants, and we've talked about it in the car. That's why I was wondering, as a grower, Ryan, when you were <laughs> growing, did you say, why are we growing this? There, there, is, there is always times that you would do that. It's like, and I always have to remind myself, just because I like or don't like a plant yeah. doesn't mean that there's not good attributes to it or it's going to work well in somebody else's yard. Right. You know, it's, it's easy for me to go through, you know, look at trial gardens or catalogs and pick out, you know, all these plants that I like. But I've got to always remember, too, that there are other needs for other, other people <laughs> so out there. True. But that's what's kind of nice about mm -hmm. lists like this that are put out by somebody else, like Great Plant Picks or the National Garden Bureau, because it broadens your range of what what you might find, you know, just because you might visit that one you know independent garden center, and they have a certain palette of plants that they find access to or or they like, you know, this kind of opens up to a lot of other things that are out there. And the nice thing with the great plant picks is one of their criteria is it has to be accessible in a garden center. So they can't go; they're not going to go pick out a plant and do this research and find some rare thing that you're never going to find in a garden center. They, so they want, want something that, you know, maybe broaden your horizons as to what you might find or might put in your garden, and then it has to be accessible. Mm -hmm. See, that's great because I remember years ago, a uh, local newspaper came out and they had picked plants, and I think it was a citrus, and nobody in the industry here locally carried it. And so everybody's going in, and it's frustrating for the gardener oh, because yeah. they're looking for that plant. Sure. And it's right. frustrating for the retailer and the grower because they don't have it. <laughs> so um, when you're putting together a list like this, um, what would be your criteria for putting together? I, I, yeah. like, I like the way that they, they're kind of mm -hmm. breaking it down to like a container planting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because a lot of times we have you know, different areas of a garden or certain certain requirements like a shade area, you know, and they have a great list that is just all for shade or they have a great list that's just for drought tolerant or very hard to grow areas. So, you know, have, knowing that area in your garden that you need, that you're looking for and then having a list that right. coordinates Sounds with that. Problem. It does mm -hmm. solve that. And I think this year, I think that they've really helped um, the consumer because um, if you look at this year's, it's about urban spaces, small spaces. And I think that, you know, if you look at all the new housing or all the apartments, you know, people have a balcony or they have just a little tiny patio. They really don't have a big backyard. So it's like, what do you want? You know, you want it to look beautiful. You want it to be pleasing. You want to enjoy it. And so what do I do? You can't put something that's going to get six by six. You know, right. you're going to have to find some smaller things. And I think that they've really helped with that this and then, year. And on their, on their website, the greatplantpicks.org website, has a search function on here that allows you to pick and choose every kind of category nice. that you want. As far as breaking it down, okay, what, what zone do you want? What foliage color do you want? What flower time do you want? How tall do you want it to be? Is it going to get sun? Is it going to get shade? So you can customize and mm -hmm. tailor every option on here, and it's going to tell you what plants are going to work in that area. Right. And I think even for people that aren't in the Northwest, this is a great website. Because, yeah, you maybe do some research, and, but look at the zone to see if it's going to work in your, in your area, your garden. And you might find something that maybe you wouldn't have chose. Right. Or else, you know, bring that information to your local Independence Garden Center and say, you know, do you have something like this? I right. saw this online. Or, 
you know, but at least maybe you'll get some more information from it. Well, and you brought up zone there, and we were talking about, you know, zone determines, it's zone represents a temperature range. Right. So it does. Yeah, um, and this is zone seven, which for us in the Pacific Northwest is west of the Cascades and through the coast range and, and out to the coast. Eastern parts of Washington, Oregon, parts of Idaho, this some of these plants would not work right? or would be difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. So um, I think people need to remember when they're but, going in, right. like you said, mm-hmm. their zone and, and what list are they looking at and what works in their area. Right, because mm-hmm. plants are, you are very regional through across, across the United right. States. So, you know, just because we're here in the Pacific Northwest and a zone seven, they will take, you know, a rainier, wetter winters and, you know, we have a drier summers, but then you start getting down into like the Southeast or the South where you have a lot more humidity. So you might, you're not going to get maybe as cold or maybe you do get as cold, but you have that humidity factor. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always important to remember when you're looking at these plants, you know, consult, you know, your local, local areas for that and, and do a little bit of research before, mm-hmm. before you can do it. So what, now having looked at the plants, what is your favorite? What would you, or favorite category? Should I say? Uh, oh, th- well, from this year, I, I was looking at it, and they had um, Jack in the Pulpit, which is a very unusual plant, and so I just think that that's one of those plants that um, it's erysema, and it's like. So it's got a big, a big flower. Very unusual. Yeah, the it's... flower stalk comes up, and they call it Jack in the Pulpit because the way the shape of the flower is, it has like a hood, and then there's like this little stamen in the center, and it's a very kind of conical, very unusual flower. But I think it's one of those kind of like hidden treasures. And it's like I have a couple in my garden, and it's like when they come up, and it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just like one of those pleasures, uh-huh. you know. So it's very unusual, and I always share it with my friends, and... Um, but, you know, they have those hidden gems and, and those, those lists. Right. And so it's just kind of fun that they kind of put those ones in that it, it, that might be a little more difficult to find, but, man, it's worth looking for. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm kind of on the kick of push, pushing the boundaries of what is, what is hardy. Ooh, so fun. I'm kind of going into more kind of the tropicals and the large leafy foliage, like, you know, their colocations and, and bananas and, you know, some, you know, the big elephant ear that have, you know, deep purple colors or, you know, the green with the white centers or the veining or the stem colors and using those as some of the focal points. So even though they might not be winter hardy for our area, it's still you're able to push the zones. I may get a winter out of it if I protect it a little bit, but sometimes I'm not as as worried about zones and hardiness. And I just know that I'm going to make the investment and I'm going to enjoy this spectacular looking plant all summer long. If it comes back, great. If not, that's okay, I'll get another one next year and change it up. Yeah, and aren't our gardens that kind of respite, that kind of sanctuary for us? So you probably are sitting there and it's like, I am in Hawaii tonight. Absolutely. And I think that's what our gardens do. It's like that, um, that sanctuary for us or it's our, it's our me time to go out there and just enjoy. Yeah, and you know, it's, you know, even if you're not finding it at your local garden center, you know, and you're looking for a list like this and you really want to have it, there are so many new, new sites and growers that are shipping all over the United oh, yeah. States. You know, mail order, you know, and, and COVID has taught us that, that, you know, more and more people have gotten where they're putting this and selling plants online where you can find just about anything you want. Right. So, you know, always, you know, check with your local independent garden center for plants that you're, that they're carrying or that you can get there. But if you can't find it, don't be afraid to hop online 
and check out a site like Great Plant Picks or National Garden Bureau and, and then find a grower and they'll ship it to you. Yeah, that's a great idea because it, it has opened up that whole realm for us, hasn't it? it has. You were talking about COVID and, it, and it's true, there are so many new gardeners out there that we talked about at the very beginning that really kind of need a hand. Mm -hmm. And um, lists like this, I think, fill the bill. So, um, so in wrapping up, um, I would like to thank you guys for um, doing this. Um, we've been doing a TV show for years, and, and so now we're going to try this. We would like to ask everybody to um, send us your questions, your comments. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, do you like what we're doing? Do you want to see something different? We're obviously going to be doing these a uh, couple of them a month. Um, we're not going to do them every week. We're getting away from that <laughs> the weekly thing. Um, Ryan's busier. I'm busier. Judy's busier. Um, and we're hoping that this uh, fills, you know, everybody's needs and, and people can still come to Garden Time. Um, we ask you to go to GardenTime.tv. Um, GardenTime.tv has our archives on it, so you can see our stories from 17 years of TV. Um, you can just click on there. There's a search function. We also have um, all the links for a lot of the stuff we talked to uh, talked about today. Um, we have a store on there. You can buy Garden Time swag. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we'd like to thank you for uh, listening That's in today, fun. and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you guys in a couple weeks. What topics would you guys like to tackle next time? Hmm. These are all just a uh, pencil, so. Yeah, I don't know. It, you know, we up at, here at the Northwest uh, of the United States, we've had a very cool spring. So I think that that's kind of, we need to maybe kind of just mention that. Yeah. Kind of and like it, a, maybe a troubleshooting or it's like things are late. Well, you know? we can talk about, because we had a heat dome and, yeah, and it's totally other parts of the country are yeah. kind of extreme heat at this time. We're having, you know, colder Very than much. So Southwest, maybe we can do that. Yeah. We can talk about uh, yeah. ways of dealing with that. Ways to deal with stressed, stressed plants being at too hot or too, or cold, too cold and wet. Right. You know, and, and right. Ways we can re remedy that or making sure our plants are doing okay. Yeah, Ryan, we still well, can have a successful garden. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, anything that you want to you know, I'm still planting my containers. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's so towards many... Towards the end of June. Yeah, towards the end of June, I've just barely got my vegetable garden in because it has, has been that wet. Um, so I think there, there will be some topics, I think, coming up on, on vegetable gardening, um, what we can do to ensure that we'll still get a, get a harvest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great idea. Thank you, everyone, for listening in, yeah, and we'll see fun. you next time, and happy gardening. Yeah. Start your new Subaru story at Capital Subaru. We are like nothing else. From the moment you step through these doors, you see it, you feel it. We do things differently here. Our people, our culture, our customer experience. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll upgrade the way you shop for Subarus. When you're just browsing, need great service, or starting your next adventure, we're always here for you. It's your story at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway.